And like ultimately, like we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, f- it. Like, might as well just stay. <laughs> might as well just stay. Like we're gonna do this. I'm Adam Brenneman. This, 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 this is next up. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Next Up Podcast. I'm Adam Brenneman. We're in Philadelphia today talking to my man, one of my closest friends, Christian Hackenberg. Going to talk about his journey as a five-star recruit, number one quarterback in the country, career at Penn State during one of the darkest times in Penn State history, and his journey as an NFL quarterback, second-round pick to the Jets. Going to be an awesome conversation. Before we get there, please subscribe to this podcast. All your guys' support allows me to travel around the country have the best guests in the world on this podcast to give you guys an inside look at the best athletes in sports. Like the podcast, comment below, follow us on social media, links in the description. Truly appreciate all the support. Appreciate you coming, man. The 45-minute drive from, where do you live again? It's easy. Tabernacle. Tabernacle. I knew it was some weird, yeah. weird name. Yeah, out in the, the middle sticks, of nowhere. tucked up in the pines. <laughs> appreciate you coming to Philly. Uh, I've been wanting to do this. I think I had you. On my when I started a podcast like three years ago, you were my first guest. Remember that we did I, it, we did it over the phone. Yeah, I do remember that. But then you you know you've become big time now, and I've gradually slipped down the list. But I'm happy to have at least made it, and I'm here now. So <laughs> that's know. not true. You were the very first guest. I was the very first guest. You were on the, the very original first. one. But no, I, I think I think for me, I had to branch out from the Penn State community a little bit. It's you know? fair enough. Yeah, I think people have heard you and me talk enough. <laughs> yeah, they, they know what we're going to say. Yeah, it's, it's the same uh, old. Well, we're going to go on something different today. I feel like Penn State fans don't hear from you a whole lot. Like, you don't really post a lot on social media. You, like, you don't go to a ton of games. You don't, you're not really around all that much, I feel like. Do you, do you feel like that? So, I think that there's uh, an ebb and flow with that, right? Like, obviously, I'd love to be more present and more involved, but then, you know, life gets thrown at you. And I think a lot of people still... Mm-hmm. Some people do a better job than others. Um, and I'm sure that the presence with regards to Penn State will increase um, kind of as I get everything figured out. But, you, I mean, people who know me, you know me pretty well. I've always kind of been that way. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, you know, in a in a whole, like, I'm cool. Like, I'm very, very comfortable yeah. being alone, right? Um, but you know, things happen in life and you want to get engaged and, and those, the, the good things of that community and that experience yeah. and the guys involved with it, you know, the older you get, you start realizing how much, how much value that brings being engaged and yeah. being present and being consistently there. Um, so there's an ebb and flow dude, but to answer your question, like I'm cool with where I'm at now. Like I'm, I'm low key. I'm watching my little brothers, like everything's fine, but there's going to be a time and place. Yeah, I remember when we first met and you were always telling me like that you don't like the spotlight, you don't like doing interviews, that you don't like the media. And I always thought it was total bullshit. Like I always thought, I think I told you that. I was like, <laughs> shut up, you do like the spotlight though. And now that I've known you like a really long time, yeah. it's actually true. Like I always thought you were just saying that. And it's yeah. true though, you don't like the spotlight. <laughs> well, it's crazy because, you know, to your point, like there's so many guys that like eat it up. But, you know, I'm sure we'll touch on this if you got some stuff up your sleeve and if we're going to go the direction that I think you're going to go with some things here. <laughs> yeah, um, I have no agenda. <laughs> I know you have no agenda, but you, 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 you've been thinking, I was thinking last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I really mean it. Like everything yeah. that I've done uh, athletically was very pure in that sense. And that tripped me up in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, throughout my, throughout my path. But, um, you know, yeah, man, it was never about me, 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 you know, I just enjoyed like the locker room experience, the guys, the, uh, winning yeah. and, and being competitive aspect of it. But like this stuff, man, it's, it's unfortunately a big part of sports now and, and that culture yeah. just because, I mean, you're, creating and it, it's it's uh, rory said it best talking about the pga tour mm -hmm. right like it was like we're we're creating something that people are paying for we're yeah. it's a consumable uh it's sport but it's a consumable thing so um you know you have to kind of play that yeah. role in it and that was just never a big part of my why yeah Get, give us a little life update right now give all the people that haven't oh, that you dude. got you're having a kid yeah. You're married, you got a house, your brothers are killing it. Like give everyone a little, a little yeah, man. Of life. Um, got a boy coming in April. Mm -hmm. April 13th to due date. So um Which is crazy. It's coming up fast, bro. A kid. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Coming up fast. It's hard to think about. Um been coaching some high school ball with Bill Belton, mm -hmm. Billy B, mm -hmm. Bill Will. Um Doing some media stuff, uh, and then I my day to day nine to five work for a technology company based out of Chicago. So, um, you know, getting settled in with Tatum, like I said, we're down in South Jersey, going on like five or six years now. And then uh, my my brothers are all all over God's creation. And I got one, it. yeah, I got one brother with the White Sox. He's actually in big league uh, spring training. Um, played a little bit two nights ago and did pretty well. My youngest brother's down at Virginia Tech pitching. Um, he's off to a good start two and zero so far this year. So he's throwing on Saturday. And then Brandon is trying to figure out, you know, if he wants to keep chasing the soccer thing. He was down in Orlando City last year. Um, so it's cool. You know, we're spread out. I'm, I'm, I'm following them, but um, that's that's yeah. the life. Let's, um, let's start with all the highs you had early in your, in your high school and college career. You were the number one quarterback in the country, five-star recruit, had offers from every school in the country. I remember when we first got connected, I think it was via like a Facebook message or something. something I probably hit you like up that. and was like, where are you going to school? Yeah. Um, and you were looking at like Virginia really hard because of where you're from. And, uh, but you'd offers from everywhere. Talk us through, talk me through that recruiting process for you. And, you know, your recruitment was, you weren't a big time recruit to start. And then you blew up and became, if I remember it correctly, yeah. you became a five-star, you got all the offers, but you were kind of, started off a little bit low key and then blew up at the end. Talk us yeah. through that recruiting process. So I've said this and it's really, it's really cool now coaching high school ball and seeing the difference. Um, what the athlete culture and college sports culture has created. And I'm talking from, from high school coaches to parents to like the expectations that are out there. When I got to Fork Union, I mm -hmm. was at Fluvanna County high school my freshman year. And then Fort Union Military Academy, it's, they've, they, we have a post-grad and a high school program and they're both, I mean, I think there's been like 260 yeah. something guys drafted, um, between the, between the two programs in, in, into the NFL. So, um, long time storied coach, Mickey Sullivan is my high school coach and I'll never forget Legend. it. Yeah. 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 Mickey, Mickey. Nice. <laughs> so Mickey, um, Mickey was like super old school, dude. And my, my, my grandfather coached in Northeastern PA for a while. And, and he had passed away before I got into that whole thing. But my dad said like, Mickey reminded me a lot of his pops. So it was putting me around a really good resource and somebody who took the approach that fit in with, again, my mentality. Like I wasn't, um, I, 
honestly, like I had no idea what the elite 11 was when I was in <laughs> high school, like my freshman year in high school, like I had no concept of, um, like Nike spark. Like I had no concept of any of that stuff. Like I was just playing football were. to play football. <laughs> yeah. Like really, I, I, my dad played at UVA. My mom played volleyball at Lehigh. Like I just wanted to go to school for free yeah. and continue playing. Like that was my only goal coming into it. Mm. Um, so Mickey made me sit down and, and really map it out. And we stayed to that, which was kind of cool. You know, I talked to some guys now um, who recruited me, you know, or whatever from different schools. And it was like, it was really tough getting in there because, again, we followed that game plan, that blueprint, like to a T. Um, yeah. And then there was that element of the modern recruiting process that snuck in. Yeah, I think it really happened after the Elite 11 stuff. Um, and it just happened so fast. And like, I never asked for a scent of it yeah. like to because to your point i did what i needed to do i accomplished my goals from like getting getting the opportunity to play mm -hmm. at, at a college for free and then um you know i was just dumb and you know didn't didn't enroll early wanted to finish <laughs> yeah. my high school baseball career because i was i was a pretty good baseball player and i really yeah. enjoyed that so like i just i enjoyed sport at its purest and that's how i approached my recruiting process um it was forward thinking in the sense that I had goals that I wanted to achieve in the sport um, and it kind of tailored some of my decision-making. And we've talked about that a bunch mm. with Bill being there. You, yeah. You've talked about it too. But again, like the the glitz and glamour and rankings and all that shit, it was literally, and I say this with every ounce of honesty, the <laughs> last thing on my mind. It was the <laughs> last thing on my mind. Yeah. Um, but the shift's been, I mean, seismic and it's it's pretty crazy. Um, where it is now. And it, it's really hard, you know, like it's really hard for a kid to, to enjoy the process because um, there's so many expectations put out there. Yeah. W what have you seen from uh, as a high school coach now in that process? Like mm -hmm. do kids talk about that all the time? Are they always looking at like what the rankings are? Who's performing at the elite 11? Do you see that? As, yeah. As a I mean, those coach? kids, I mean, and now you look at the seven on seven circuit, like oh, that's crazy. poison yeah. in my, like for me, and uh, this may be crazy. Like that's the worst thing that could happen to football because football was kind of protected. Mm -hmm. You had basketball, like AU, you could play hoops all year round. Baseball, same thing. Yeah. AU, triple SA all year round. But football had its season mm -hmm. and you know, it, it gave high school coaches a lot of power not, not power, power is the wrong word, but it gave high school coaches a great opportunity. And I still believe this. Like high school coaches are the best coaches no in the country. Mm -hmm. NFL, college, high school coaches are because they have to teach to such a broad spectrum yeah. of talent, a broad spectrum of ability to digest information mm -hmm. and get them to do it consistently, right? Yep. So when you're looking at these kids, um, it, it's seeped into it. It's harder for coaches to position people and you have to either have had it, you know, have a, have some type of clout with your name and recognition within the community over a period mm -hmm. of time. Or if you're a new emerging guy, you really have to be someone who's played and yeah. who kids recognize the name because then there is an attachment and there is a trust level there over some of these seven on seven coaches and stuff like that. But I mean, these kids, like it's constant, it's constant barrage of, you know, comparing and mm -hmm. I, I gotta be something as opposed to, focusing on their journey and it may be different than yeah. others, but it, it it doesn't make it better or worse. Yeah. Right. And that's the beauty of at least football. When I look yeah. at it, like there's so many different ways to get to that end goal. Mm. Um, but there's just so many unrealistic, not even unrealistic, but just like unfair expectations put on kids. Now. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons in my opinion that 
you were so successful when you got to Penn State right away as a 17 or 18 year old, you were 18, yeah. 18 at the time. Yeah. Because you walked in that locker room and everyone respected you. That's one thing I remember about you coming to Penn State was very early on when normally freshmen don't get any respect. Normally they're making fun of all the freshmen. They don't like them. You walked in and everyone respected you right away. Like I, I never forget you being able to talk to the seniors like John Urschel and Ty yeah. Howe and all these guys. And they loved you from right away. It We're took none, a little while. It Maybe, maybe a little while, but they yeah. respected you. But I, it's because of how you approached the whole recruiting process because everyone knew genuinely you didn't care about, it wasn't about you. It wasn't about the stars. It wasn't about the elite right. 11. It was about, you just wanted to come in, be with the guys and play ball. And I think that's been lost on football right now. And that's the reason you were so successful early on. Do you believe that? Yeah. I, I call it just being dumb. Like I yeah. said, like I just wanted to come and play and, you know, obviously again, something we've covered over and over again, but, one of the main reasons I went to Penn State was to play for Bill because in that structure of what Mickey yeah. Sullivan made me put together as going into my sophomore year of high school was, you know, what are your aspirations? Like, what are you trying to get out of football? What are you trying to get out of school? And what are you trying to get out of the social aspect of your college yeah. experience? And like the one, like every kid that has a dream plays football, like from the time you pick it up is I want to play in the NFL. Yeah. So like playing for Bill and being able to be prepared there. So like I knew that part was handled. And then all the other stuff that was going on at Penn State, that's a whole nother conversation that we, we could probably yeah. dive into. But um, when I got there, like, it was literally just about earning trust with those guys that I know I'm going to probably be playing with. Mm -hmm. And I knew based upon the way that the roster was structured at the quarterback position, I was going to have a shot to play early. Mm -hmm. So I had to do that early and often. And I did that through not anything that I did on the football field, but yeah. in the weight room, um, you know, how I approach film study how I pushed myself from that standpoint. So I was like, it was pure. Like I was just dumb. Like I was just mm -hmm. doing everything that my parents taught me to do and my high school coach taught me to do in terms of like being a great teammate, being someone that can be trusted. Yeah. And it's, I call it the golden retriever syndrome. Mm -hmm. Like you just want to get pets and you want <laughs> to do right by everybody involved. And that's yeah. the purity of the sport that gets lost now because of all those other factors and all that other, yeah. all that other push. I mean, you got kids, like I would have never thought about sitting out. Like I'm not knocking the kids that do it now because I understand the business side of it, right? Yeah. But like I would have never crossed. It would have never crossed my <laughs> mind. Like yeah. I was pissed I didn't finish the last game at Penn State. I yeah. finished every single fucking game there. Yeah. And the last one I get fluked on a on a on a separated shoulder in yeah, the second quarter against Georgia. And yeah. like I was pissed about that. Yeah. Like livid. So it's just really Good interesting. Point. Yeah. When what was the moment you knew you wanted to go to Penn State? Well, I mean when I went up there for a junior day, I think you were there too for that one junior I think day. I was, yeah. yeah. I know Bill had spent a lot of time with us and you know, the whole, how I got the Penn state offer, like Joe and them didn't that the old staff did not recruit me. Yeah. It was not like me either really. They, yeah. Really, but it was yeah. like one of the only staffs in the country that wasn't recruiting me. And then when Bill got there, it kind of happened fast and furious. And I just really wanted to get a feel for the type of guy he was going to be. And once, you know, like, you know, when you're talking to the Sabins of the world yeah. and, and all the other guys, like, there's some lines and there's some things you hear and it's always like what you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I, to this day, I mean, Bill and I have had a few conversations since everything happened when he left and stuff like that. But the one thing I do respect is that he never, ever promised me shit. Mm -hmm. He just, other than an opportunity. Yeah. And like, for me, again, going back to the environment I was in at Fort Union Military Academy, the way my parents brought all of us up, mm -hmm. that's all I wanted to hear. Like, I didn't want to hear any of the fluff. I didn't want to hear any of the bullshit. Like, what's, at the end of the day, let's cut through that and let's get to ultimately what it's going to take for me to get from from where I am right now to where I want to be in three years, four years. Yeah. 
Um, and he was very upfront and straight, straight and honest about it. And he didn't, there was never, like I said, there was never a promise, never anything. Um, so that's something that I really respected. And then, you know, the other aspect of that, like I highlighted earlier, it's Penn state, man. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, and, and you're a Pennsylvania kid, I was born in Northeastern PA, but grew up in Virginia. So I had a lot of people that understood that. And it, it is weird, man. Like it sucks you in. And that's kind of a segue of like, and I, again, I don't know if you're going to go there, but like. We're going everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> but like from when Bill left and then all the changes happened and then like we could have left, like mm -hmm. that's the reason I stayed. Nothing to do with football, which sure. was crazy for my thought process at that time and like my plan that I had in my brain. But like that's, that's the power of Penn State. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, we have a lot to dive into. This might be yeah. a long one. Yeah, <laughs> um, here for it. So I didn't drive fifty minutes for anything. I know. Yeah, we, we can just we can we can order some food, bring dinner here. Oh. Right here, chop it up. <laughs> um, so, and when you say Bill, you're talking about Bill O'Brien. Yeah, for Bill any people, anyone watching who isn't a Penn State fan or familiar, so Bill recruits you. You get to Penn State. Uh, and you become the Big Ten freshman of the year. Have a great. Were you Big Ten freshman of the year? Yeah. yeah. Great uh, first season. Play lights out. You're, everyone's talking about you being the first overall pick in two years. A lot of success very early on. What was that kind of? You were on the, the top of the world, man. Like and nothing could go wrong at that point. Not, everything right. was perfect. What was it like being at that peak as a true freshman at you know one of the best programs in the country? I mean, it was it was unique in the sense that. It was, it is one of the most storied programs in the country, but like everything that was going on, it was different. It was different. You know what I mean? But it made it even more intense. Correct. It, yeah. There was a lot more eyes on it, a lot more focus on it. Um, and again, honestly, that shift from like purity to then, holy shit, I'm 19 years old and like the oldest guy on our roster mm -hmm. from a play, like, like weather standpoint, yeah. when you, when you talk about it, like, yeah. You know, Ty was gone, Ursh was gone, uh, Adam Gress. Like, there were so many guys who were gone. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Bill left, it was kind of like, uh, you and I talked that because yeah. we had that super long winter break, which yeah, was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, that was the Bill left. That's yeah, left. I mean, yeah. he, he called me on New Year's Eve yeah. when I was doing a fucking keg stand at yeah. JMU. Yeah. But, uh, it, like, there were so many things that happened there. And that's where, like, my the shift went from like, oh, like this was really, really fun and pure to like, this might get a little more corporate. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with the the sanctions and the role that, that that played, you know, not only were you celebrated and I was in there a little bit too, but when you're the quarterback, it's different. Not only were you celebrated as the five-star recruit that came to Penn State, you were celebrated as a five-star recruit that came to Penn State during the worst time in Penn State history that saved the program. Right. And everyone, and that's what everyone was talking about. And everyone on that campus knew who you were. I mean, you were the biggest celebrity on campus when you got there at, at 18 years old. Talk to me about that, like specifically, not just the highs of being a yeah. Big Ten freshman, but with the environment of what went on at Penn State and the just the role that like you took in that whole place, whether you asked yeah. for it or not. Right. You were such an instrumental part of Penn State and everyone worshipped you on that campus. What like did that affect your your mindset at all? Not initially. Yeah. And I think that kind of went to where to, it yeah. got to like more corporate, like, and, and, you know, like, yeah, maybe my behavior changed like the first couple of days, the first couple of months of class, like I'd walk to class without headphones on and I'd be talking to people. <laughs> and then like, 
by the time spring ball rolled around going into my sophomore year, like I was head down, yeah. headphones on, not looking because I felt like everyone's looking at you. Like, it's just one of those things where that's a huge shift. And like where I grew up, super small town. I said this before I was like, I passed more cows than I did people going to school. <laughs> so, so yeah. for me, like that attention and like always feeling like the golden retriever syndrome, like wanting to yeah. please people. And like, it was a lot. And it, to your point, it happened so quick and I didn't ask for a lick of it. Yeah. So it, that was uh, a mental change. Like, I mean, you could talk to it too. Like you hung out with me a lot too, you know, during that shift, like in terms of what I did, like you'd catch me at a frat house week one through six, mm -hmm. but then seven, eight, nine, like I wasn't there because yeah. I couldn't even, I couldn't even enjoy myself. Oh, you were getting mobbed. Yeah. I couldn't enjoy my time with my yeah. guys. And like, I don't blame people for doing it because it's the society we live in. But then, you know, it's one of those things where like, you have to, you have to adjust that. And yeah. for me, that was a seismic adjustment. Yeah. I know? remember going to a frat house after one of our games. I don't know when it was in our freshman year. And you weren't with me at the time, but I was with a group of like 20 people. And I pull up to the frat house and they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> you remember this? They wouldn't let me in at all. And I was with all this whole crew and they were like, come on, Adam. Like, I look terrible. And the frat guys didn't know who I was. And I was like, I'm Adam Brennan, man. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and then all of a sudden you like walk in from the distance and you were like, AB. And then the frat guys were like, oh, Christian Hackenberg. And they opened the door and we all walk right in. <laughs> Definitely a humbling moment for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's yeah. when you realize, but yeah, you had all the pool there. You said you were doing a keg stand when Bill O'Brien yeah. <laughs> called you. Yeah. <laughs> you were at JMU. Yeah. So I was back. <laughs> home. So JMU was like an hour north and uh, of where I grew up. You just go over the mountains and dip yeah. down. And I had a bunch of buddies I grew up with who went to JMU. And like I said, dude, like I hunted my ass off during that break. <laughs> and then that was like, right, you know, right hunting season was peeling down and my parents were going somewhere for New Year's. I was like, nah, I just, I'll just kick it at the house. And you know, Josh and Mason. Yeah, my two buddies. Yeah, yeah. So Josh is like, yo, let's hop in the car. Let's go up to JMU. You know, a bunch of our buddies, they have a, they had a little duplex yeah. and they're like, you know, throwing a New Year's Eve party. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's do that. And I was literally doing a keg stand 10 o'clock. I'm like upside down. I'm wearing a pair of jeans. Got people holding my ankles. Phone starts buzzing. And I'm like, I'm going for the, for the, at that point in time, like the, the record on, on the thing, like, you know, the big boy beat your chest thing. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to thug this out. And I'm like, oh, it might be someone calling me. So I shook my feet. It was like, let me down, pick up the phone. And I thought it was somebody next door in the duplex calling yeah. me to like, hey, come over here. I need you for something. Uh, I'm like, yo. Hack, look, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, what's up, man? <laughs> like, it was Coach O'Brien. Yeah, it was Coach O'Brien. Oh, what'd he say? And he just, he was like, listen, dude, like, probably not the best time, but I'm going to Houston. <laughs> I was kind of like, uh, really? Are you fucking with me here, dude? He's like, nah, I'm going to Houston. Like, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it ended up being a little bit longer conversation. But then I walk in and like ESPN was on. It's like Bill O'Brien. It was like awkward as hell the rest of the night. <laughs> Everyone didn't know what the hell Yeah, was super awkward yeah. the rest of the night. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was pretty crazy. When you picked Penn State, obviously a major factor was Bill O'Brien and that whole decision. I mean, you know, Penn State was in a dark place when, yeah. when we committed there and went there. What was your initial feeling like when he decided to leave and how much do you think that impacted your career? We're, um, getting, we're getting right into it, man. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> uh, my initial reaction was, I, well, I, I really wasn't thinking because it sobered me up pretty quick. <laughs> but uh, when when I thought about it, like I understood it. Um, and there's some other things that 
obviously with his personal life where it made sense. Yeah. Um, but looking at it as how I think it impacted, I thought it to me like that, that was from a football standpoint. Now this goes back to what I was saying. There's two different aspects of this yeah. whole Penn state thing. And then it even tailors into the NFL story. Right. Mm-hmm. Where I think at that point in time, I needed bill more than ever. Cause again, I was 19. I just came off like the highest of highs. Like you were saying, yeah. thinking we're going to ride this in. Like, I don't, I don't care what's wrong with our roster. Like we got some guys that are going to come and play, you know, our, like our group, like our class was a really good class. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of the guys didn't get to play as much, but they ended up being impact players, guys like yeah. Sickles, you know, man, yeah. Curtis Cawthorn Parker. Like there was a lot of guys who ended up being really mm-hmm. good football players. Um, but we're still in that Deshaun, like yeah, developmental. Yeah. yeah, but like that developmental mm-hmm. process, right? Um, so there was a lot to look forward to from that. And Bill had a really good system, a really good plan. We were super comfortable. So it was kind of like everyone, we were, he ran it, he ran us, he ran a different ship. I mean, he really did t- treat us like pros, like yeah. in all aspects. Um, so it, we knew there was going to be adjustment there. And, it was just, that was tough. So I think then when he left the, the staying and, and being there was, I did all this from a football standpoint, like on the field, but to your point, like they weren't talking about that mm-hmm. when you saw an article, it was, this is the savior dark hole. So it was like more outside of football of what yeah. it meant than actually the play. And when I looked at that, you know, the type of person that I was like, you had an opportunity to help a university, a fan base, um, get through mm. something. And we, we all looked at it that way. Like, yeah. I'm not just saying, but like my perspective in this was, I got to stick it out for that. Like, no matter what I take from a personal development, from an X's and O's and, and how I play the game standpoint, like if I leave now, I don't think we win. If yeah. the vast majority of our class was like, we're out. Yeah. Like, I don't think they win three football games in 14 or 15. Yeah. So, that's a great point. Yeah. It, like, the roster was not very good. It, <laughs> so, it, it's like we won seven games with a whole lot of shit going on. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, like, I'm super proud of my career. Like, people talk about highs and lows. Like, yeah, there were highs and lows personally. But when it comes to like on the field, I was still able to go up there and pretty much break every record mm-hmm. that the quarterbacks had there. Um, dealing in with three years. De- yeah. Dealing with some of those things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm super proud of my college career and I'm super proud of the way it ended up turning out. Like, could it have been easier in another direction? hundred percent. And yeah. could it have probably been more beneficial for me down the line? A hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, that goes back to that off the field aspect of why yeah. we stayed. Right. And I think you, you, you feel the same way about it. And, and I, uh, every, every guy in our class that we talked to is like, you know, and then the sickles and them, they ended up ultimately winning a big 10 championship. So yeah. like they got to reap the benefits of that, entire mm-hmm. process right um so that that's great for them but it's it was just one of those things where it was like it became a different mission yeah let me ask you this i'm actually curious to hear your answer do you regret staying at penn state no no like not at all um i don't at all and are you trying to get into like the nfl discussion now yeah we can yeah with that yeah Wherever you want to take it. I was just curious. Well, you, no. I was just curious. I meant, you know, you're saying that you saying, especially after there are multiple, first of all, multiple times where you could have not gone to Penn State. There's the post sanctions as a recruit. Yeah. There's 
after Bill O'Brien left, you could have transferred. Like, there's a bunch of different times that that could have happened. And you were saying, you know, part of the reason you stayed at Penn State was because of saving the program and being part of something bigger than ourselves. I guess my question wasn't wasn't really, I probably phrased it wrong, not do you regret it, but do you think that maybe leaving would have been the best thing for your career looking back on it? From a football standpoint? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's like hindsight's always say, 20, yeah. 20 right? Like it could have, yeah. but now you see how all these kids are transferring all, all over God's creation. And it's not working out, you know? Yeah. So like maybe, maybe yeah. there was another situation out there that would have been better. But like ultimately the best situation I could have walked into, I think as a football player with my skill set was with Bill O'Brien. Yeah. And then when he left, I had to figure it out. From yeah. There. Before we get to the NFL, I just thought of this story. <laughs> I love this story about you. Do you remember after the Michigan game? <laughs> remember, remember this when bit. when um when <laughs> it was I think this Sunday morning after the Michigan game and you missed the meeting. That was Monday. Was it Monday? Because we had off on Sunday. We had off on Sunday yeah. and Monday Monday morning or Monday afternoon. Oh yeah, that I'll was a heater of a weekend. Yeah, we're sitting in the in this team meeting room and and Bill O'Brien's going through the the he's like ten minutes into his presentation about the day of practice, the game plan, and he looks over and he's like, "Where the fuck is Christian at?" <laughs> Yeah, and I sat like front. I were, sat. Everyone right knew you weren't there except for him. <laughs> so I, like I said, we had a heater of a weekend. Like I don't think I slept. We had a big weekend. Yeah, I don't think I slept, dude. I might have slept like a total of four hours. And uh, I remember Brendan Mann was my roommate. Yeah. And I was in Hartranft Hall. No Pollock. No, no, I was in Pollock. I was in Pollock. I was in Hartranft during the summer. I was in Pollock. And uh, I got up from class in the morning, and I'm like, dude, like. I got three hours before we have to be in the meeting. Like, I'm going to take a nap. Wake me up before you leave. So I set my alarms and he never, like, he. I saw him get out. My one alarm went off and I thought I hit snooze. I shut it off like everyone does once in their life. And I'll <laughs> never forget the call I got. It was Charlie Fisher. And it's, it's like. Quarterback's coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The quarterback's coach. And I am sprinting across Pollock Commons right now. <laughs> like, at, like, gassed out of breath. Just come up from a nap. Like, threw shit on. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And I got chewed out. Bill just hammered me for like 15 minutes. What do you say? Give me, give me some lines. You motherfucking prima donna fucking missing my team meeting. <laughs> and it was at the point where like, I was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to, you're right. Like I was like, you're right. I'm taking this. So I'm just sitting there, sitting there. And then the best was he got to it. And at the end, and we were in the quarterback room because everyone had broken out at that point. I'm like 45 minutes late. Yeah, yeah you were very So late. everyone had broken out into individuals. So I'm sitting there and da, 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 da. And he's holding the clicker through this whole thing. Like I could have only imagined be being Austin Whipple in that situation. Like I wanted <laughs> to be watching. like, I wish I could have been me, but also been Austin Whipple <laughs> listening to me get my ass ripped out. Uh -huh. And uh, then he just like nothing happened was like, so anyway, it started going on the game plan. <laughs> so I think I'm cool. Like, I'm like, oh, sweet. 15 yeah. minutes to get my ass ripped. Cool. Like, I'm never doing this again, uh, but that's it. And then at the end of the meeting, he's like, all right, go down and see Fitz. You got to talk to him about what's up. So then I had Dom Patrol for the next three days and we had to play on Saturday. So that was like the most miserable three days of Wait, so during with, game week, they made you wake up in yeah. the morning and work out? Dude, I had Dom Patrol. So yeah. Tell them everyone what Dawn Patrol is. So when you get in trouble. <laughs> so Dawn Patrol with Craig Fitzgerald. Our strength coach. Who was our head strength coach at the time. Nuts. It was. <laughs> I had the pleasure of watching our freshman workouts because Fitz was the type of dude where no matter who you were, no matter what you were doing, you still had to be a part of an experience. Mm -hmm. So I was playing, 
but I would have to go and watch literally all of my buddies die on Friday mornings and I would do my regen at 6 a.m. So Dawn Patrol was for anybody who did anything that may have been some type of violation of program rules and you were up. Fitz was literally in our building at three o'clock, three thirty every morning. And I don't think he left until midnight. He, he was, I don't know how he has a family. I don't know how he like dude, dude lived on coffee and pre-workout. And I walked in on this Dawn patrol, which was basically like, you're going to go in there and not feel great after. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. not going to feel good yeah, after it in any way, shape or form. And, uh, it was three days, um, with fits, you know, various things, sled pushes, basically whatever painful thing he could put you through for an hour, he put you through it. And you're um, the starting quarterback. And I'm the starting quarterback. And yeah, and I got to go to practice <laughs> after and I, class. And then pra- like, I was like, dude, so needless to say, I've never missed a meeting ever again <laughs> since that time. But yeah, Fitz was, Fitz was a little different with yeah. that. That was great, man. I'll, I'll never forget the look on Charlie Fisher's face. <laughs> yeah. Coach Fisher, <laughs> man. Good. God bless him. Uh, so you leave after three years for the NFL. Let's get into the NFL discussion. First of yeah. all, the decision to leave early. Yeah. What went into that? I was just done. Yeah. It's a long two years. <laughs> yeah. I was done physically and mentally. Um, and looking back, you know, to kind of talk about your thing, like if, if I could have changed anything, mm-hmm. I think I would have stayed that last year. And it had nothing to do with the team success. It was more so I wish I would have stayed that last year because I think from a maturity standpoint, and me being able to find myself with a fresh face like Joe Moorhead, again, ton of unknowns about how he was going to turn out. But when you watch the way he did things and how he operated, I think I would have clicked very well mm-hmm. with him. And that extra year would have helped me because I think transitioning to the NFL, I was done physically. I was done mentally for various reasons. And when I was going into the NFL – I was trying to find myself and I took two years of no development and really just trying to keep a ship afloat and like make plays however I could and getting hit a bunch while I was doing it. So I took steps back from like a pure fundamental standpoint. Um, I'm going to the NFL trying to say that I'm X, but like realistically I was still like, I needed someone to draft me, bring me into their building and like help me. Yeah. Right. And that's not an ideal position in going into professional sports because professional sports is a win now, we need this mm-hmm. transactional, like it's business. Yeah. So, and I can say that now, but I was, I, I declared I was 20 years old. I was training at 20 years old. I couldn't mm-hmm. buy a beer and yeah. I was training for the NFL and I'd gone through everything that I'd gone through. Right. So I think for me, like that transition and I would have never admitted it if you asked me this question when I was going through it. But like now I can sit there and say, like, I was really trying to find myself and figure myself out. Yeah. And then I get drafted into New York, which was a loaded quarterback room with like zero plan for me. Yeah. Like the worst possible scenario. And like super thankful for the opportunity, obviously. And like got to live out my dream for a few years up there and there and a couple other places. But like when you're trying to find yourself as a player, find your confidence, find the fundamental side of things mm-hmm. that you lost because you took a hit, um, retrospectively, like it wasn't a good thing for me. So had I probably stayed another year and I always thought I was like more mature than I was. Yeah. I mean, you, you guys joked about it, like I, old man, like I always kind of took that and wise above my age type yeah. of type of approach. But like when it came to that transition, I don't think I was really ready for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Backing up to the, 
last two years at Penn State, I remember, again, being one of your close friends, I remember feeling like, especially that last year, year three, that like your personality was like starting to change a little bit. Like you were not feeling very great, <laughs> not yeah. feeling great th- that last year. Remember we used to go to uh, Crackle Bar- Cracker Barrel on Sundays <laughs> yeah. and like just vent about what was going on because I was hurt at the time. But <clears> like, <throat> do you remember, like, do you feel that way? Like you, during that last that last year, I kind of remember you being like, yeah. it seemed like you were in a dark place. I don't know if you were, so, but that's what it seemed like as one of your friends. So I think I was in my darkest place my sophomore year. Got it. Like, Maybe that's the year I'm thinking. Yeah, one of those I was years. in my darkest place my sophomore year. Um, and I did, because if you remember coming off the freshman year, then we open up in, in Ireland against UCF and I throw for 455 yards and I'm like, all right, cool. And then there's this whole thing that's rolling in with that. So like, and then that middle of the season was just miserable. Like it was fight, like just constant, like back and forth, trying to figure out identity, who you're going to be. And ultimately it usually fell on my shoulders and then I'm getting, you know, hit 25 times a game and sacked six to eight, like it was just physically demanding, mentally demanding. Um, and I just curled into a ball and didn't talk to anybody. I mean, even the games we won, like how many times did you guys catch? Like I was, I yeah. sat on the couch and drank beers and yeah. ordered wings over and passed out. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what I did after games. And I didn't talk to anybody. Didn't spend time with my parents. Didn't call my high school coach back. Like didn't talk to anybody. I was, that was bad. But then when I went to my junior year, I had that experience and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. <clears throat> Because then we ended at the pinstripe bowl, which was another super high, right? Yeah. First first bowl win, 300-some yards, four t- like yada, yada, yada. So um, going into my junior year, I was like, I'm just not going to get back to that place mentally ever again. I'm going to have as much fun with this. I, I understand the situation now. I've been around it for a year, all around, all mm-hmm. aspects of it. So I'm just not going to do this. I'm going to plug away. I'm going to have the most fun that I can. I'm going to be the best teammate, best vet at that time that I can be because we had guys like Saquon there Mm -hmm. like take those guys under my wing really try to impose Gesicki like really try to impose like the why we came to Penn State Mm -hmm. on them Mm -hmm. and let them continue to carry that on because I think that there's still an element of like Penn State always did it different and there was a type of kid that got there and you and I saw that when we got on campus and it was really important for me for that to stay there. And mm-hmm. I, ultimately, I think it did. You know, Trace, like all those guys bought into it. And I hung out with those guys a lot more than I probably did even yeah. in class that last year. <clears throat> and it was really to make sure that that happened. Because I knew, like I made that decision that summer. Like I yeah. knew I was not going to play there yeah. after that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how I approached it. But it was a completely different switch. And it was my sophomore year yeah. that we had. No, that like, makes it sense. Was, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. It's year. a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember yeah. that. Um, you talked about the getting drafted to the Jets. What was – was there a moment early on in New York where you were like, this isn't going well? I mean, we kept four quarterbacks. Yeah. So it was me, Gino, Fitz, and Bryce. Mm-hmm. So, like, that media attention, that much focus – you take me 50, 50, whatever, 51, 52 overall in the second round. Like there's expectations that come with that. Mm-hmm. And we got a loaded room and Chan Gailey was there who I love Chan as an ex nose guy. I loved him as a coach, but like he really wanted Fitz back and he wanted Fitz because they just came off a pretty decent year the year before. So like there just wasn't opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like I'm basically there trying to find myself 
And then like trying to figure out a role within the whole organization. Yeah. Because obviously there's people in the organization that invested enough in me to pick me in the second round. But then, so there was just a little disconnect there. And again, it was me just kind of not having the maturity to take the business approach that I then learned, but ultimately it was too late in my career because mm-hmm. I was already labeled and it was done. But I just never had the ability to, to, to have someone take me along that path because there was just so much dysfunction going on. There's so many, so many things going on a bunch of other ways. So like, um, again, I always take it as like a glass half full guy and like that experience helped me tremendously and it's going to translate to other facets of my life. But me being able to even say that now, I think is uh, not a testament to myself. I'm not trying to beat my own chest, but like being able to have that conversation with yourself, I think is really important. Like for, and for anybody that's going through something like being able to look at a situation, dissect it in a very honest and matter of fact manner and say where there's definitely places where I came up short and I could have been better, but ultimately looking at the whole, at the whole picture, like I could have also done more things to look for help and ask for help and like try to try to bridge that gap quicker than I did from an actual like football performance, mental side of things. So, um, that maturity was what that whole New York experience was really about. And it felt like, you know, when you're in that New York media market, it almost feels like the New York media like gangs up on you a little bit. Did you feel uh, like that at all? hundred percent. Cause and I feel like, like they would only talk about the negative. They'd be like, Christian Ackenberger ever threw a ball at practice. Today. Like, like yeah, they yeah. wouldn't say that about any other quarterback. And threw three <laughs> touchdowns in seven on seven. Yeah. Like, so it's like they, they did. And I think it partially was me too, because I was a very easy target because again, like going back to the way I was raised, like never sell anybody out, never like be, confrontational in those, in those mm-hmm. environments, like say the politically correct thing and keep it moving. Yeah. And I think that some of those guys up there and not all of them, there's some, there's some reporters up there that were very fair mm-hmm. and good, but usually the loudest ones and the ones that had the bigger imprints were those guys and they did it to everybody. Right. Yeah. And that's just part of that. That's, that's part of that media culture up there. Yeah. But, um, hundred percent, I think I was probably the easiest one to pick on <laughs> and, I wouldn't fight back like some other guys yeah. did just because it wasn't in my DNA. So, um, you know, that was an experience within itself. Was there ever a thought or did you ever think during the draft process that the Texans would draft you, that Bill O'Brien would take you? Uh, I mean, I saw him at the combine. Um, we had, we had a couple off the cuff conversations, you know, I don't know, you know, weirdly enough, I think Bill didn't ever want to do that mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like, I don't Why? think, I don't think he ever wanted because that would have came with another pile of expectations and another narrative that didn't need to be there. Yeah. And that's ultimately the story. Like I lit it up my freshman year. And then these expectations, when you looked at the entire, when you looked at the entire pie and everything that went into what those expect, like what you needed to do and what needed to happen in order to attain those expectations, like it just wasn't there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's unfortunately part of what we live in. When you, ex- when you experience success as an athlete and not just me, but everybody, there's expectations that are piled on you by a whole bunch of people. And oftentimes you're never, ever going to be able to reach mm-hmm. those. So I think when Bill got there, it was an aspect of if I bring this kid back, like the narrative again on his last two seasons at Penn State was much different. Never really took control of that during the process. Mm-hmm the narrative if he comes to Houston is going to be rekindled, supposed to be 
this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't know if he will ever say it, but I mean, just sitting here now looking at it, like if I was in his shoes, like that's a whole lot of pressure yeah, he's already on anybody. With his own and he's pressure. dealing with a whole yeah. bunch of like, so like why yeah. compound the issue, no matter how much you love the kid, you yeah. know what I mean? Or, or care for the kid or if he did or not, like, I don't know. But you know, that's what I, that's like the moral kind of battle that would go on if I was in those shoes. So I, I mean, now just hypothetically speaking, this is spitball like absolutely no information on it. Like, I think that there was probably a little bit of that that played into it. Yeah. When you were, when you were in New York, you had veterans, like you mentioned Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, all those guys. Were they helpful at all in your process? Like, were they trying to bring you along? Because, again, we talked, like, you needed someone yeah. to help you. Yeah, some of them were. I mean, the one who I talked to the most was probably Brandon Marshall. Mm-hmm. And I watched Matt Forte a lot because Matt was phenomenal. Like, from a from a how to be a pro and how to carry yeah. yourself standpoint. And I'm not even, like, conversationally, but just, like, what you do. Yeah. I never really talked to Matt about it, but I watched him a lot. Um, and then Brandon and I talked a decent amount. But... The hard part was, is then that whole year, we were fucking horrible. Yeah. And these guys are now like, they don't want to be there. No one wants to fucking be there. And then they're like, I don't want to deal with this fucking 21-year-old kid, like, trying to find himself. Like, (laughs) I got a family that I got to go home to. Fitz has his 15 kids. Like, there's just, like, so much shit that went on there. And it was just like, I was just the guy sitting there with my palms up, like, what do I do? You know? Yeah. Um. And it was just unfortunate. And again, like happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's not just me. Like it's ha- like that, pro- that same scenario has happened to probably so many different people. Mm-hmm. And um, I can just sit here and say like, that was a valuable part of my journey. Again, um, didn't help me from my goals and aspirations as a football player. Um, but I think in the bigger picture and like the grand scheme of things, it's going to help me out yeah. tenfold down the road. And like, even now, like kind of like when you talk, like with my brothers, like mm. I got a brother that's in the minor league system right now. I got another one who's probably going to be there. I had another one who played professional soccer last year. So like being able to, to in, not instill and like not go out of my way, but when I hear them talk about something, like having been there and kind of done that yeah. high, low and everything in between within that business, because it does cross lines, different sport, but the business side of it crosses. Yeah. Like being able to give them some really good, valuable perspective that I hope is ultimately going to lead them to be able to play 10, 15 years and have a great career. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, again, it sucks that it didn't work out for me and I really wish it did. And, you know, you really want it to, but being able to then flip that and instill that is, I think, really important. I had Deshaun Kaiser on my podcast a couple of months ago whose story is like somewhat similar to your second round pick. Yeah played really well in college, but then had a drop off. And uh, we talked a little bit about, and he, this was, you know, what he was saying is that the second round is the worst round to get drafted in as a quarterback. He was saying, and the reasoning, I don't remember exactly the reasoning, but something around, they don't have enough invested in you. Like you're a first round pick, but there's also the expectations that you're a that you were, they talk about you like you were. (laughs) Dude, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's like a, it's like a two way contract in the NBA. (laughs) It's like, Here's a, here's a million and a half, two million bucks uh, to keep you happy. And you got a little leash, but like, if you don't end up being, you know, like the guy that just made 23. Yeah. You're a bust. <laughs> you're yeah. done. Yeah. It's like, so it's like, it's a really tough position to be in. And usually those teams is, you know, Jalen Hurts, 
is one that worked out right. Mm-hmm. But I think that's another different thing. Like, I, I think Philly does a really good job with their quarterback development overall. I, I spent some time there, and it was really cool to see how they how they did that. And I, I'm very happy for him. But, like, Andy Dalton was another second-round guy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, I don't know how many second-round guys ended up being, like, dudes. And then if yeah. they weren't, like, that are with that team that drafted them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's interesting to think about just how that how that impacts it. And the other thing Deshaun talked about a lot and we've talked, we, that's what we were just talking about, is like at quarterback, how much where you go matters. And yeah. he says a lot of the same things, but um, how much different do you think your career would have turned out if you went to a place like Philadelphia that had a good development, that had a stable franchise that... Yeah. I, I think ultimately what it came down to was, I think if I would have had the ability to say everything that I just said for the last however long about yeah. like... I need a place where I can find myself, have a plan, and be able to execute. Because I am, again, that golden retriever syndrome, like mm-hmm. wanting to please people. Like if I if I had that structure, I don't know. I think I would have had the opportunities to go out and prove it yeah. consistently. You, you know what I mean? Um, it's just like one of those things, man. Like it is really like the luck of the draw and it just didn't work out. And I really don't like like it's hard to even think about that because again, I'm thankful for the opportunity. No I got to live yeah. out a childhood dream, right? Yeah. But um, you know, I feel like that's almost being a little greedy in a mm-hmm. way. Uh wishing that. But yeah. you know, it it is it is interesting. Like even a smaller media market like Jacksonville, you know, yeah. or something stupid like that, where it's like less visibility, less pressure, and like allow me two years to find myself, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. Cause I would have done it eventually. Yeah. Um, but you know. It didn't. It wasn't. And, yeah. you know, shit happens. Dealt, right? Yeah. What, during that, that, the time of the Jets and as your, you know, the few years, few years in the NFL, what was, was there one moment that was, you know, like the toughest one to get through or the, the darkest time or the time you had to rely on your family the most? I wouldn't say like anything. Like when I kind of checked out was when I was in Philly, I, they signed me like, Halfway through training camp, they literally called me. I remember me. when that happened. I was fired up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was quick, dude. And, like, it was, like, they broke camp. Mm-hmm. I literally had to stay in the hotel one night. <laughs> like, they they signed me. I went to practice. I stayed in that hotel. And then they broke camp the next day. Mm-hmm. So, um, there was, like, two preseason games left or something like that. But, I, you know, I had some familiarity there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Doug and them had had vetted me throughout the process. And then Mike Grow was there. He had – my dad hosted Mike Grow. Oh, got it. Yeah. Um, on his visit at UVA. When he before he before he ended up going there and playing there and like his dad Al was the head coach at UVA mm-hmm. when I was growing up and we were you know my dad had season tickets took us there alumni lounge the whole nine so like Mike knew me since I was yeah. knee high um, so he kind of understood the mental side of where I was and gave it was a very small sample size but like gave me some chances and I like started turning around I started feeling it again and then when it didn't work out there it was that was really deflating like it was like dude like just a practice squad deal. Like yeah. I'll take that right now because the the investment in my mental side of it and like getting myself right top to bottom mm-hmm. is more important to me than any financial thing right now. And if I could do it, it's comfortable. Like I just bought a house. I'm 42 minutes from the facility. Like yeah. there's a whole lot of things that went into it. But like after that moment, I ended up getting shipped up to Cincinnati. Like hated being away from, from my wife. Like hate, like it was just like, that was kind of like, all right, like we're cool. And then yeah. I got some time to kind of cool it off. And then I did the AF thing. And like, 
that didn't work out either for a lot of different reasons, but <laughs> hey, that didn't work out. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> but it was fun. Like I had fun because I kind of had that taste of like getting kicked in the teeth, you know, putting too much pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. The, like it, that was kind of like I'm just going out here and like playing again. It goes back to the start yeah. of this conversation of like for me, it was pure. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was media bullshit and expectations and all that stuff. But like when I when I went to the practice field, I was mature enough at that point in time. I had enough scars, had enough calluses to where I could approach things differently. And I had so much fun. Like I had mm-hmm. so much fun at practice. I had so much fun like getting better and doing things differently. And like I said, it just the whole thing didn't work out. But uh it was a great experience. Yeah. And it kind of brings me back to like if you saw with the XFL, like AJ McCarron talking and like mm-hmm. now having a kid. Like I'm happy I did it. I wish I did it later. Yeah. Because I yeah. like I like the one thing I want is to see my son see me play. Yeah. But like I got my brothers and stuff for that now. But like seeing that and that type of perspective, like that's what it's all about. And like yeah. if you're listening to this, like seeing guys that go through those ups and downs and then be able to kind of that that's it's kind of what they're going through, I think. Yeah. Like not not maybe to a T of like what my experience was, mm-hmm. but like for you to be able to relate to that, that's what it is, man. There's expectations, yeah. then there's getting kicked in the balls, and then it's just up and down, up and down, up and down. And ultimately, when you find it, it's really rewarding because it becomes pure again. Yeah. And you have enough you have enough of a shell and enough calluses to be able to block out yeah. all that other BS that comes with it. You mentioned Tatum, your wife. How was how was she during that whole process? Dude, she was a soldier, man. Yeah. It was she got lucky as shit. <laughs> a because she was working, um, she was doing she was working for a pharmaceutical company in North Jersey because she graduated a year ahead of us. Yeah. My whole junior year, she was living in fucking Morristown. <laughs> so I get drafted to the Jets. Uh, Apartment I bought was 10 minutes away. <laughs> like crazy. So um, that happened. Yeah. And then we bought our house down here in South Jersey. I got traded to Oakland, got cut after that for a little bit, and then came home. And then the next team that signs me is Philly. Yeah. So I was like, I bet you if you asked, if you polled every NFL significant other in the hit. Yeah. Twice? Yeah. No shot. You go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but she was a soldier, man. Like she was great. And like, she's, she'd been through the whole thing with me. We met my freshman year. Yeah. Um, and she, she really was like awesome. Yeah. I remember when you guys met. Yeah. She got your ass in, in shape right away. Yeah. Whip me up. The best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You agree? I do. You better sit on camera. No, I know. I'm sitting on camera. I do. But like looking at it, like, yeah, dude, like even more so. Like, it's, yeah. there's a lot more trouble I could have got into. So that was good. What, uh, what would you say? I mean, you talked about a little bit, but what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself during that, during that NFL process? Mm. You know, I don't know if it was like one thing or the other. I think it was just the ability to, to reflect a little bit more on, and again, like see it through so many different lenses, like yeah. see it through the, what could I have done better? And then also be able to sit there and realistically not make excuses, but look at the environment and say, if I'm a person who's going to put my kid in a situation, like would I have put my kid in that situation if I mm. had the power to or not? Like, no. Yeah. So being able to think about ways to then get out of it and climb out of it. And again, those types of scenarios happen every day in real life. Mm-hmm. So I think like that whole growth spectrum uh, was probably the best thing that, that I took away from that, right? Yeah. Like take it outside of football, you know, again, all that stuff's fun and fine and dandy, but like being able to then take all that, 
instilled in my brothers, like instilled into my personal life. And then now like give it to kids who I end up talking to, um, you know, who I'm coaching, mm -hmm. whatever, but be able to like project that out in the right way because it's, it's only getting more and more important in today's world mm -hmm. with how much pressure is going on in these kids no and sports and stuff like that. So like really, and, and, and I understand the whole mental health wave, but like really being able to figure it out yourself yeah. a little bit and like be able to look at things from a lot of different lenses rather than like knee jerk reaction. What's your first emotional reaction to things? Cause oftentimes it's going to drive you down the wrong yeah. path. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you this cause I get asked a lot too about my career or do you feel like you're at peace with it? Yeah. I mean, you have to, right? Yeah. Like there's obviously, um, elements again of like your natural competitive drive to, cause don't get it twisted, dude. Like if you get to that level, like you can play. Yeah. No doubt. It's just really the guys that separate again, go back to that, like six inches between your ears and mm -hmm. how tough, and then the and then the support around you you yeah. are determines how tough you need to be there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what separates guys who play three years and guys who play ten years. Yeah, in my opinion, mm -hmm. everyone can play. Um, so for me, like there's that piece of it, but then again, like the general, like the journey. Mm -hmm. It's such a cliche term, but then the journey the, of it yeah. was invaluable. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm at peace with that, and like, awesome yeah. because now I get to. I get to continue that in other yeah. in other avenues. It's cool to hear you like reflect on it because I we we've talked about it a little bit, but I haven't heard you know we haven't had this like in depth conversation because I don't grill you when we hang out like right. I am on the podcast. But yeah. it yeah. is cool to hear you reflect on it and just talk about you know what what you learned from it and everything. It's it's cool. It's it's, it's cool to see it come full circle like that. Uh, let's on a positive note. What's your favorite moment of your career? Favorite moment, college, NFL, anything. You got to pick one. Dude, it's so tough. I mean, like the bowl game was awesome. The pinstripe bowl was awesome just yeah. because of everything that went on. Like the Michigan game my freshman year was awesome. Wisconsin was awesome. Mm -hmm. But I think like uh, the thing I'm most proud of, and I and you're you're gonna, I think you're gonna like this, is like the path we took took a special group of dudes. Mm -hmm. And the guys that we went there with and like got to have all of those experiences in the game, after the game, the week mm -hmm. up, the week after, like those guys and that locker room experience. And like, in particular, like our class, the uh, legacy that that I think is should leave mm -hmm. and should be respected as well is there. And that's kind of like what I'm my most proud of favorite moment was like, that experience with that group of guys, the highs, the lows, yeah. you with your injury, like everything mm -hmm. involved in that. That was my favorite thing. Yeah. Do you still, do you, uh, do you, do you talk to a lot of people in the program still? Like, or do you, do you talk to coach Franklin much? Like what, what's your, what's your, a little bit. Like with all I talked to Ty a, a, Ty a, a yeah. lot. Or well, not a lot, but it. a decent amount. Yeah. He he's just recruited him. like three more five-star tight ends. Like <laughs> he ties, <laughs> Ty's awesome. Yeah. And like, you know, we had a, he was my first college center, dude. Like it's yeah. a quarterback special center connection. relationship, yeah. special connection, man. Yeah. Um, but Ty, Ty, I talked to Ty a decent amount. And then it's like Marcus Hagan's recruited me at Virginia. Marcus, oh, yeah. like I watched, I watched Biscuit play when he, when he was playing at Virginia. Yeah. 
you know, when they beat Florida State on Thursday night, I was at that game. That's sweet. So uh, him and then Dex mm-hmm. also recruited me. Um, so there's a lot of ties now. Yeah. Some of the guys that are coming into the program. And then, you know, there's still Chuck still there. You know, Alvin's still Chuck, there. Oh, Chuck Lucy. Chuck Lucy. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's still some folks there. So whenever I get up, you know, I do. But, you know, like my crew, like Ricky, Ricky's at ODU now. Yeah. Um, you know, so don't really, don't really do it. But, you know, getting back up there is important. Yeah. You know, when I can. Penn State fans think about Christian Hackenberg. What do you want them to think about? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to drive that narrative. Like, I'm a guy that kind of left it all out there. Mm-hmm. I think, I, and even after this conversation, you know, as secretive and as I am, or have been secretive, whatever, like in a hole that I can yeah. be. Um, you don't do a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not about this stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, I just want the interpretation. And it's really not even like Christian Hackenberg. It's again, like that group of guys, that time, that frame, like what it really meant. And like we, the 2012 team was fantastic. They set in it. Like for me, they set the best standard, Mm -hmm. the Mottis, the Zordiches of the world. Like they set the best standard. And then some of those guys like Ty and Ursh then were able to give that to me. And that goes back to what I was saying about like Saquon and Mike and Trace and all those guys. Like my last year was really about like that, the yeah. unwritten side of it, like continue, like continue to pass that along, continue to keep it within the program because I think it's really important. Um, but I guess like, I don't know, man, like that type, that type of thing. You don't you know, like, like that question. I don't like that question. At all. <laughs> I hate that question. I hate that question. <laughs> you hated that one. Cause again, it makes me be a me guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love it. We didn't talk at all. I skipped right over the, the sanctions part about, uh, of like our whole recruitment. And, uh, that that decision of you and I both committed to Penn State. We were, I think, juniors in high school. And then mm-hmm. after that, the sanctions came out. Some of the worst sanctions in NCAA history. What do you remember like when that came out and what your first thought was? I think you were you at the Elite dude, I was 11? at the Elite Eleven. I remember this whole like I, was, we, I remember we got on a phone call. Yeah, talk us through that. Dude, I was finishing the last day there and like there were rumblings about what was coming out. And Trent, because I had a late flight. Um, cause I had a red eye, I was flying back East. So it was me, Trent Dill for my pops, Joey Roberts, Yogi Roth, um, George Whitfield, mm-hmm. Jordan Palmer. We were sitting there and like, dude, like push your flight, go visit UCLA, go visit Stanford and go visit SC. Like they were like, cause the sanctions are coming. They're, yeah. they're coming. Like yeah. go do it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, I want to get home. Fucking bass are, fu- bass are hitting in the back pond. Like, yeah. my buddy's gotta go. like, I was like, I wasn't even thinking about it. Dude. I was yeah. like, nah, that ain't going to happen. And then me and my dad landed in Richmond, got in the car, turned the radio on. ESPN radio was up. First thing was the sanctions. And they were laying them out. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was pretty, I mean, just the, the breadth and depth of it was pretty severe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, like that whole thing was crazy. And then I, then it was like, you know, this coach, that coach, you went through it. Like everyone's, everyone's bombarding you. And it was just like, I just need to like shut off, go in a box and like assess, assess. (laughs) Let's take an inventory here. Let's let's assess the situation. Um, And the reality is I said this, when did I, I think I said this on, oh, I did a video on it. You did not like that video either. I did about you and how you saved Penn State football. Uh, 
the reality is if you wouldn't have stayed at Penn State, not many people would have. And I think a big part of that decision came, remember the sanctions came out and then like this next Saturday, we all went to Penn State. Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. remember that that yeah. day? And that was the moment that we all decided to stay at Penn State. Take me through like what was going what was going through your mind before that visit on that Saturday? And then, you know, why why what was the ultimate decision for for you? Well, I mean, I think we all had the conversation. Yeah. Like if you remember, like we were in there with Bill and the parents, we were asking questions, and then Bill was like, All right, y'all, I'm gonna leave you guys and you guys talk. Mm-hmm. Like we talked with our parents, like everyone, we were very like it's impossible to compare our recruitment and our process like start to finish to like really anything that's out there now that I'm aware of Mm -hmm. in the sense of stuff we had to deal with decisions we had to make and what those decisions ultimately meant from a larger ramification standpoint that I don't think a lot of people look at because they just take it for granted because we made those tough decisions Mm -hmm. as, as a class. Um, but like that, I remember that bill, close the doors, dude. And it was just us. Yeah. And we hashed out everything. Like, I know our parents did a good job of firing questions at Bill, like, right away. He answered. Everything was cool. But then, like, we were just pretty straight up raw and honest in there. I remember and, that, yeah. And, and had had the conversations. And, like, ultimately, like, we all kind of looked at each other and like, man, like, fuck it. Like, might as well just stay. <laughs> might as well just stay. Like, we're going to do this. Like, let's ride, you know, type of thing. It, yeah. was, it was very much, I don't think there was, like, I don't think anyone in that class the, the parents they came from, the way they were wired, thought of it as like a big deal. Yeah. But like it really was a really big deal. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like it's not even just if I wasn't like, if that class disintegrated, like. Yeah. Does Penn State win? Like I said, does Penn State win three games in three years? Does James Franklin even take that job? Yeah. Where's Bill O'Brien now? Yeah. You know, like, so there's so many things that happened after that that was a domino effect that I don't think a lot of people look at and say, because of this, that's why all these things happen. Yeah. But I think that that particular meeting is the genesis of a lot of where that program yeah. is right now Yeah. and why it's where it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, and it's funny, even thinking back to like years ago at Penn State, even like the 2017, 2018, after we had left in Penn State, you know, the expectations are so high at Penn State. Yeah. But I mean, you, you remember like what they said about that place when when the sanctions came out. People were like, they won't they won't win for 10 years at Penn yeah. State. They won't, they won't be able to field a team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, mean, the narrative was bad. I mean, bro, we played with what, 43 scholarship guys our freshman year, 45 yeah. scholarship guys, 43, 45, something like that. And then our sophomore and junior year, I'd Probably, I, I have to go back and look at it now. I got time, but like, I'd probably venture to say 65 to 70% of our roster was true, true freshmen, freshmen, redshirt yeah. freshmen, or, yeah. or true sophomores. Yeah. Like, who, what was that? What was the 14 uh, senior class? Like, it, it was yeah. like six guys, seven yeah, guys, very, yeah. eight guys. Yeah. It's funny with the scholarships. I remember Bill O'Brien, whenever he'd get pissed during games at the refs or at the other coach. I remember we played Ohio State. We got crushed our oh, freshman year. Gosh. You threw a pick to me in the back of the end yeah. zone. I remember I probably, yeah. I think I, I, bended, I, I bent my seam route. I should have kept the vertical. Anyway, um, I remember it was Urban. Urban was, was Urban Meyer? Was he the coach? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was calling timeouts before halftime. They were up like 42 nothing. Yeah. I remember, I remember Bill being like, 
we got 40 fucking scholarships. And you're, calling, <laughs> you're calling timeouts. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the more pissed he got, the lower the number went. Yeah. By yeah. the end, he's like, we got 22 scholarship players, and you're fucking calling timeout. Dude, it was so funny. And he would always use that when the refs would call it. When the refs would call he'd be like, we yeah. got 12 scholarship yeah. players. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, yeah, he loved yeah. using that. Yeah. Um, what what's next? What's next for you now? Like, what what do you what do you want to do? Are you doing the media thing? Do you want to be on? You know, you want to be on TV. You want to do. Yeah. You're doing some of the stuff with Field of Twelve podcast, talking college football, and you're freaking great at it. I mean, yeah. I watch your stuff. Like, before, literally before I go to talk college football, I often watch what you said about the <laughs> stuff. And I steal all your lines. No, yeah, but you're fine. really good at it. No, I don't know, man. I mean, I, like I said, there's kind of a a little bit of a self discovery. You know what I want to do what I want to balance, like my personal enjoyment in life and, and the time commitments to those things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got a kid coming. So there's a lot of shit that I'm juggling for lack of a better term, yeah. but just really trying to get my, my hands in a lot of different pots and, and, and really see what starts driving me. You know, like I said, I'm doing some technology stuff now working in that field. has been really interesting and it's mm -hmm. been a cool way to push me, um, both professionally and, and just from a, something that I'm actually like horribly terrified of yeah. and having to learn about, um, is, 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 is cool. So, you know, dude, like, I don't know, man, I'm just rolling with the punches. You know me, that's kind of how I've always been. Mm -hmm. Keep my nose to the grindstone, you know, figure out some things that I like, you know, I, I love the coaching thing, you know, so there's, yeah, would you ever, that's tough too. It's like, a tough be, decision because it's a total coach. lifestyle change, yeah. but like, there's, there's a lot of things that go into it, dude. But I think ultimately, you know, seeing how, seeing how the deck shakes out and just yeah. plugging away, you know, we'll see. But, um, like I said, trying to manage the stove with a lot of different yeah. 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 Right yeah. Through all your entire career, I mean, you've had a lot of experiences and a lot of different coaches that gave you advice. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Hmm. You know, it, it kind of goes back to, um, my high school coach, Mickey Sullivan. Um, and it kind of, this goes into being great on the football field, mm -hmm. but, you know, I think it really meant being great in life in general Yeah, as well. The more that I think about it now and when he said it and how he said it and things of that nature. And some he said and all, like our whole team mm -hmm. heard this at some point in time, but if you, if you want to be truly like exceptional and great, you, you have to be willing to be alone and you have to be willing to be different basically yeah. is what the the gist of it was. And being alone and being different um, kind of go hand in hand, but at the same time, um, you know, those two places can be really scary. Mm -hmm. If you're alone in your own thoughts, if you're alone um, in, in, in physically, you know, mm -hmm. some like it can be scary situations, but um, being able to master being able to be alone and being yeah. able to be different and and not go the conventional way and not be a, a follower, be a mm -hmm. leader of sorts in that manner and like really have your plan, stick to your plan and go to it. Um, you know, for me, that that really helped me yeah. in my recruiting process and in my football career. Um, but then it's also translating as those lessons happen yeah. and those kind of things echo. Like, you know, there's a lot of alone time there. You got to mm -hmm. be different if you want to, um, not just, you know, physically gifted, but like yeah. how you approach things. So that those two things really stuck with me. And, and, you know, Mickey was great for one-liners. So who's your QB one in the, in the, in the draft this year? Dude, I have had this argument 
well, not argument, but I've had this stance with a lot of people and it, it's funny because of the conversation we just had, but I think when you're taking a guy like that, usually the top two guys are like one A and one B for me. Mm-hmm. And the fit is system, it's cultural, and it's um, can they shoulder that load? Yeah. Because you're probably going to a really shitty team. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to look to be a mainstay there for 10 years, those yeah. expectations. So, um, and, and, you know, possibly a, a head coaching change nowadays. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that first yeah. first three picks have that. Mm-hmm. So, um, is the guy the right fit? Do you think he can, and, and not just fit from a football standpoint, but like the whole picture. So yeah. for me, I think, I think you could not go wrong with either, in my opinion, CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, different players. Um, you know pretty much what you're getting with both of those guys. Mm-hmm. I think they both know themselves going back to the conversation that I was saying. Um, it's just going to be a matter of like, again, where's the fit? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're both plug and play, but you know, there may be one situation a little bit better than the other. And I'm not going to know the answer to that. Cause I don't, I don't have those conversations yeah. with the owners and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm big on the Will Levis QB one. hype. I know you are. I like Will. I like Will a lot. He's super, super talented, but I think Will has some discovery yeah. in his own. And I know that that path, I think it's going to take a, and Will's, Will's going to have a great thing, uh, a great opportunity wherever he goes because mm-hmm. he is going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. but It may almost be better for him to be a later pick in the, you know. <laughs> it's really interesting, man. Like yeah. like I said, like not really not really experiencing a lot of failure mm-hmm. or adversity, it, at least on the surface, um, can work for you or against you. Mm-hmm. And I think like Saban has proven that his culture kind of creates that naturally. Yeah. Like yeah. you have adversity in terms of being able to get yeah. there and stuff like that. So like those guys, you're not going to have to worry about that. Like Will kind of bounced around, had some success at Kentucky. Um, obviously super, super talented, but I think like if he gets in the right fit, right system, they give him some time, let him get his feet under him and like really feel it, re- really, really get in the flow of things. Um, he could be, you know, from a talent standpoint, he's off yeah. the charts. Yeah. You know, one other thing I wanted to ask you that I forgot earlier was as a five-star quarterback, one of the, I think number one in the country, what, what's the, what's the craziest thing that happened during your recruitment? Like, did any coaches say, like say any crazy stuff to you or do you have any crazy visits? Like, I mean, it's, it's different when you're a quarterback, like they want you so bad. Like give give me something juicy that happened in your recruiting process. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a snitch, dude. <laughs> you don't got to snitch, snitch on anybody, but I'm not a snitch. No, there was we don't even need, we don't even need names. We don't need schools. There was definitely um some things that happened. Uh, but the fun. <laughs> so all right, I'll say the funniest one, and I won't I won't rat on this. Yeah. It was it was a big deal. Guy came to Fort Union, um, to to see me. Yeah, and. uh my dad was after we, you know, I was playing pickup basketball when they showed up and yada, yada, yada. But my dad was walking down the hallway with him. It's like, hey, you know, what, what's it going to take to get Christian here? My dad's like, uh, scholarship? Good system. <laughs> scholarship? Uh, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, that's it. He's like, that's it. My dad's like, yeah, that's it. He goes, okay. Just walked out. <laughs> my dad was like, I think I was just. Was that? Did that? Should I have said something else? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you yeah. said like two point five million. You know, I don't know, but um, 
but it was that was funny. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't really remember because again, I I think I did a again. Mickey did a good job of putting a, a bubble over me. Yeah, and you know, you didn't take a ton of visits. No, nah, man. Right? Like I, once I made my decision, I stuck with that. I didn't take any officials after that. Um, the only official I took was the Penn State. But like I kind of, you know, I had a, I I had a really, I was very very fortunate. Yeah, uh, I think I think you know, high school coaches and kids nowadays can. Not saying that it's the perfect blueprint, but I think some of that old school, like really focused, not collecting yeah. offers thought process can really help kids make a better, more educated decision top yeah. to bottom. Yeah, no, I agree. Totally. Uh, well, this was awesome, man. I mean, I, I'm, number one, I appreciate you for opening up and talking about what you did. Cause I know you don't love doing this kind of stuff, especially not talking about yourself. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's not your favorite thing to do. So I appreciate you doing it. I appreciate you doing it with me and on the show and uh and I'm just like happy it was cool to hear you kind of reflect on everything and and excited for all the cool shit you're gonna do in the future man and, and glad to have you as a close friend and it's been fun been a fun journey with you so i'm glad we got to do this no doubt man i appreciate it next up